Uh, as you might expect uh, in the scriptures, uh, we oftentimes uh, read uh, rehearsals and uh, repetitions of uh, great uh, important events. Uh, I mean, we do that sometimes as Americans. July the 4th, we uh, perhaps uh, reconnect with patriotic thoughts and feelings and celebrate with uh, uh, fireworks and perhaps uh, do certain things, rehearsing uh, perhaps uh, the joy benefits of, of, uh, of our own citizenship. Uh, but the concept of rehearsal and repetition is uh, found preeminently in our text this morning. Uh, it's illustrated in what I would call a recommissioning uh, of uh, the apostolic uh, company. Uh, our, our book, our study, is really a selective display of everything that that recommissioning uh, means uh, in terms of uh, affirming it uh, with respect to the apostolic authority and what they do, uh, as well as uh, uh, its content. It's not just their actions as apostles, uh, it's also the content of their teaching. Uh, and, and what is uh, really important about uh, the recommissioning of the apostles is that uh, it constitutes our commissioning. I don't know if you've ever thought of it in that way, but uh, uh, you, really, uh, you really must think of it in that way, that you are commissioned by God as His agent. Uh, I think sometimes as Christians we fail to grasp that, and that's why it's interesting here that this is a recommissioning ceremony as our Lord constitutes His his apostles as his witnesses. He says, he says to them, you are my witnesses. Uh, and he says the same thing to us. You are my witnesses. Well, what does that mean? Uh, well, certainly here, uh, the Lord in this recommissioning ceremony is uh, commissioning his agents, his apostles, with the promise of the Spirit. And then he ascends into heaven. I believe he takes his seat upon the throne of God to rule as king. But nonetheless, the commission is a repetition. Now, sometimes you and I have to be reminded repeatedly of things. Uh, certainly I do. Sometimes uh, dull, of, uh, dull of mind, heavy of mind, so I'm reminded. Uh, it's what our Lord is doing for us here. Uh, Greg Beale uh, acknowledges uh, that the commissioning uh, comes to us in diverse forms throughout the Scriptures. And uh, we should expect that. Uh, because uh, God is great, He does uh, the same things uh, uh, over and over again, uh, sometimes uh, intensifying the meaning, uh, which is what we have here. Uh, but nonetheless, it's important to look at the repetition as we find in the Old Testament. Uh, there is the commissioning, for example, of uh, Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 26-28. Uh, the essence of which was to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it. It's really a commissioning of us. We're to fill the earth and subdue it. Obviously with the gospel. Uh, not in the physical sense that we bear the sword, uh, because we do not. Uh, but we bear the gospel. Uh, we carry it to the ends of the earth. Uh, we fill the earth uh, with the gospel and the glory of God. There's a national commission. It's very important of Israel. 
in Exodus 19, uh, verse 6. Now, God is commissioning Israel, the nation. He says in that text, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. That's a commissioning service. It's very interesting uh, because uh, the Apostle John uh, cites that text as part of the work of Christ in Revelation 1.6. Uh, and there we read that uh, Christ made us kingdom and priests. So part of our national identity as a church, uh, part of our individual identity as Christians is that we are king-priests representing the majesty of the image of God. Wherever we live, wherever, wherever we work, in our homes, with our children, uh, our neighborhood, our street, streets, uh, we are uh, king-priests. I always chuckle when I say that because uh, many, many denominations, as you know, uh, uh, have uh, a very special priesthood uh, with special ceremonies. Uh, to me, if you've been born again, you're a priest of God. Uh, because that's what God made you. Revelation 1.6. And it is uh, it's an intensification of the national identity of Israel found in a new Israel. I think that's part of the meaning of Revelation 1.6. So part of your commissioning as a Christian is uh, you are a king-priest wherever you go. Uh, one of my favorite uh, recapitulations of the, of the commission of God is uh, uh, found in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, you might turn there. Uh, because there, uh, our Lord is going to commission uh, His apostles that's why I call a Revela uh, Acts chapter 1 something of a recommissioning when he uh, uh, commissions his apostles as witnesses. Revelation chapter uh, 20 and verses 21 and 22. Jesus therefore said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's what he's going to do to his apostolic company. And by the way, he does that to you. He sends you as a king priest, as a witness into the world. Uh, but notice uh, there's a uh, uh, miniature uh, Pentecost, day of Pentecost, prelude, if you will, to Pentecost. In verse 22, when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Prelude to Pentecost, but he's breathing the Holy Spirit upon them. Uh, the text uh, to me is an allusion to uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where God breathed into Adam the breath of physical life. Here He's breathing into His apostolic company. Spiritual life, spiritual power. I mean, they were alive spiritually, but He's uh, commissioning them with power. Uh, perhaps a forerunner of the greater outpouring of the Spirit, uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, it's also an illusion, very interesting, if you want to turn in your Old Testament to Ezekiel 39, it's also an allusion uh, to Ezekiel 37. Uh, verses 9 and 10. By allusion, I mean, uh, I think uh, John is borrowing the language of Ezekiel 37 and applying it uh, to the apostolic company. But it, it also applies to each of us. A very profound, 
profound way, miraculous way, because we're a miraculous people in the new birth. It's part of our own commissioning. Ezekiel 37.9 said to them, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. And so I prophesied as He commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. It's reoccurring. John chapter 20, the apostolic company. Uh, the context, as you know, is the vision of the valley of dry bones. Uh, really, it's dead bones. They're dry because they're dead. Skeletons littering the field. As if there's been a great disaster, and there has been invasions of Assyria and Babylon. Uh, so that the immediate fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel is in the restoration of the nation from captivity. John is telling us what? That there's a greater fulfillment, a more intense fulfillment uh, in the apostolic company and the new community that they represent. Uh, that He breathes upon us in the Spirit, uh, the Spirit and the breath of life, standing us up as a nation of king priests, uh, new and greater Israel, to represent Him as, as His witnesses. Uh, the, uh, the most well-known uh, commissioning text, as you know, is Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus uh, stands before uh, the apostolic company. He says, go, make disciples. Uh, both of those verbs uh, are imperative, contextually, and of course, one of them in form. But the point is, they're imperatives. Uh, to every Christian that he has made a king priest, he commissions to go into the world. Uh, the means by which the uh, commission is to be executed is in the two participles that follow baptizing and teaching. Uh, baptism is a renunciation of past loyalties and then initiation to the covenant community. Teaching is, of course, uh, has as its end state the observance of God's commandments. In baptism, we begin well. In obeying, we continue well. And that's part of our commission. Uh, we carry forth the standard that we are God's witnesses, baptizing and teaching. It's our commission. It's given from Jesus to the apostles, but really the torch uh, is passed to us as successive generations of the apostolic company. Uh, the commission here in Acts 1 is introduced by a very important question. Uh, is this the time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? Uh, the verb has the idea of restoring to a former condition, uh, which I think is telling us something of the psychology of the apostles that they have in mind, the Davidic kingdom and uh, the defeat of Rome and uh, the promotion of the apostolic company uh, to be the agents of the Lord ruling for him. I personally believe that the apostles knew that there was something of a spiritual aspect to the kingdom. They had to have known that. Uh, Jesus has been teaching them that throughout his earthly ministry. Uh, 
You know, for example, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's is, present tense, the kingdom of God uh, or the kingdom of heaven. I take them as synonymous terms. Is, present, it's present. An essential element of uh, being agents of the kingdom is uh, we're, we're incredibly humble because God is everything. And absent His Spirit, we could do nothing. It's part of the gift of the Spirit that we will study in Acts chapter 2. But their question, I think, is specific to their expectation of a visible and national messianic reign, beginning with the defeat of Rome. And so they still have some further education to go, but they're going to get it in Acts 2, uh, as uh, Peter will teach them, uh, teach all of us the nature of the kingdom, what it means. Uh, Jesus, of course, here in Acts 1, leaves the answer with the sovereignty of the Father. Uh, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times of the epics which the Father has fixed by His own authority. Uh, so, uh, in reality, is uh, giving them a partial answer that uh, timing is not for them to know. Uh, I would tell you, I, I think the timing is uh, uh, explosive in Acts chapter 2. Uh, interpretive on my point. The answer is going to seemingly come in an incredibly powerful way, Acts chapter 2, in the outpouring of the Spirit. But what Jesus does uh, to his uh, apostolic company and all who are present with him, he, he does for us as well, is what should concern us. Uh, specifically, the provision of the Spirit, its uh, mission, uh, and uh, its progression. And that he's going to address in verses 6 to 8. And the commission for uh, the apostles and their disciples but for Grace Bible Church. Uh, engages the promise of the Spirit. The content of what we carry to the world. Uh, and its geographic expansion. Again, verses 6 to 8. Look at verse 8. Uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. My witnesses. That was their commission. Uh, I've told you, uh, I think it's a recommissioning, uh, but it is our commissioning. That's what you are. I used to on occasion uh, hear sometimes that people of my parents' generation uh, didn't talk religion. Uh, they just, not something they did. It was a very private thing to them. Well, uh, be that as it may. It conflicts with our commissioning. Witnesses don't think, keep things in private. So perhaps my parents' generation, uh, maybe I'm speakingly, uh, overly, uh, generically, uh, don't really get it, but we should get it. We are the witnesses of God. Witnesses act and carry forth a commission in a specific content. Uh, and it's going to be validated by the coming of the Spirit. Uh, something of a allusion here to Isaiah 32.15, till the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high. That's about to happen in Acts chapter 2. And the reality of that is very powerful because it means that the restoration prophesied by Isaiah 
is about to begin in a profound, intense way in the gift of the Spirit. Uh, in other words, the Spirit does not permit us to be secret service agents. Uh, we're not secretive at all. We are divine witnesses telling a divine story, carrying it to the ends of the earth. You can't do that in secret. That's why this recommissioning happens over and over and over again. Sometimes uh, maybe you're kind of like me. You're kind of dull of hearing. But over the point with a continual reminder and recapitulation, you finally get it. This is what we are at Grace Bible Church. Witnesses in the power of the Spirit. Uh, the gift of the Spirit is also a recapitulation. I mean, uh, think of John 15. When the Helper comes, which I will send to you from the Father, uh, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness of Me. And then John 15.27, and you will bear witness also. So, the Spirit's going to bear witness of Christ, and then He tells His company, and you're going to be My witnesses also by the power of the Spirit. Now it's being acted out, or about to be acted out in a very profound way. Acts chapter 2. Uh, so, you receive power or divine ability to prosecute the call of God. To prosecute your identity as witnesses. Uh, it's a statement of divine resourcing. Uh, absent uh, divine resourcing, uh, the prosecution of the witness will fail. Uh, probably on a national sense, that's why Israel failed uh, in their commissioning uh, as a nation of king priests. Uh, a reminder of the coming restoration. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a reminder to us that uh, we are given the spirit of power. Uh, and then the content follows. Uh, notice again, Acts 1.8. Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. The content of uh, commissioning you uh, when you become a Christian uh, is you, you, you are a witness of Christ. Now, the New American Standard reads, my witnesses, uh, uh, almost in a possessive sense. You belong to me. But I, I interpret it differently. I take it as an expression of the content of the Gospel. You will witness about me. And I think that captures more radically the sense I mean, yes, we belong to Christ. Yes, we are His witnesses. Yes, He can look to you and say, you are my witness, but what does that mean? Well, it means to me that we are witnesses about Him. We tell that story as king priests. Yeah. It's also an expression, I think, that the Spirit empowers the content of the Gospel. And if that's true, it's a beautiful expression of the majesty of our commissioning. Because we're not just His agents, He gives us the content. Uh, and absent the content, there is no gospel and the act is meaningless. Uh, this text, I believe, uh, namely Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is another Old Testament allusion. Act, uh, pardon me, Isaiah chapter 43. It's in keeping with my idea that this is just simply a repetition of something over and over and over again. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, if you have your Old Testament, I would encourage you to turn there. Uh, 
because it's very parallel in language to uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, because uh, the prophet appoints witnesses and then details for us the content of the witness. That's radically important. Uh, the immediate context of Isaiah 43 uh, is that God summons idolaters to court and challenges them to predict the future. And the court is silent. You know why? Because idols don't even speak, much less predict the future. Uh, and neither can their followers. So he's really mocking them. And then God interrupts the silence in the courtroom uh, with a witness of His uh, sovereignty. Uh, and that's uh, Isaiah 43, uh, verses 10 to 13. Uh, let's look at uh, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. And I think it's that language that you are my witnesses that's being recapitulated in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What do I mean by recapitulation? I mean it's a continual reminder of what we are. He says to Grace Bible Church, you are my witnesses. Uh, it's a declaration of our identity. What you are. Uh, and notice the purpose in order that you may know, believe, and understand that I am He. Uh, so, has a purpose. Uh, the other uh, aspect of this is, I think, an affirmation of content. Uh, and that content is in the latter part of 43.10. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. In other words, uh, the content is totally exclusive. Uh, totally exclusive. There's only one God. And He alone saves. Uh, look at Isaiah 40, uh, 43.11. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides Me. We find this everywhere in the book of Acts. Acts 4.12, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. An entire claim of total, absolute exclusivity. We witness God saves. And He saves totally and entirely by Himself. And uh, that, of course, is found in the great servant songs of Isaiah. But I remind you of that. Well, uh, it's so hard to... Yes, it is hard. That's why we have the Spirit. And nothing seems to happen. Well, be very careful about that. Every time you proclaim the Word of God as a witness of God, things happen. And either judgment or salvation. Because God's Word always is active. It never returns void. It's running to and fro. We looked at that text in Isaiah last week. It never turns back. And God saves whom He wills to save. And that's why we don't need to be worried about the results. We just simply need to uh, uh, be concerned about our role as witnesses. Uh, the witness engages God's solitary ability to effect restoration. 
Isaiah and uh, Jesus, of course, exclude with emphatic certainty the prospect that there is no deliverance apart from Him. So there's an affirmation of content. In the commissioning ceremony, we're stood up as witnesses. Uh, and then there's an affirmation of content. We don't just witness whatever we want to. Uh, we witness specifically and exclusively of divine power to save and restoration. And confirmation and clarity of this, of course, is found in Isaiah 43, verse 13. Even from eternity I am He, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? So, as God's witnesses, He doesn't need our help. I know you know that. I mean, theologically, you have to know that. If God needed your help, He wouldn't be God. Uh, but I remind you that's important, because sometimes uh, we think, well, if we just had this program and that program and this program and that program, and we copied the world marketing systems and did it kind of like the world, man, we could really grow this church. But be very careful. I'm all for marketing. Keep it in the boardroom with your salesmen. Prospering your company as an agent of your company. But when it comes to divine witness, God alone saves. And God alone makes it happen. Isaiah 43.11 And that language we will find throughout this progression of the apostolic witness in the book of Acts and then as the torch is passed to us. Greatest expression of the sovereignty of God. Uh, we are responsible as witness, but we affirm the content. God alone, God alone saves. Uh, so I'm just suggesting to you that Acts 1-8 is a recapitulation of Isaiah 43. God tells, you are my witnesses. It's being repeated over and over and over again. You know why? Because sometimes we get afraid, we become timid, and I understand it takes a great deal of witness. Certainly in our culture, it takes an incredible amount of witness about uh, or wisdom about uh, witnessing. But nonetheless, uh, uh, we are commissioned and now we know the content. Uh, and Jesus' allusion to Isaiah 43 means that the end time restoration and witness has begun. It started. And Grace Bible Church is to be a part of it. Make no mistake about it. Uh, we are its agents. Uh, it's very interesting that in Isaiah, God is speaking. You are my witnesses. In Acts, Jesus is speaking. You catch the significance? Yes, He's the God of the Old Testament too. And that's why the commissioning is so important. Uh, But he makes us witnesses the content uh, of which is solely and entirely uh, him. And the presence of the Spirit will empower uh, the commission and preserve the content in the absence of uh, Jesus. Uh, he is uh, vacant, uh, but the Spirit is uh, present. And this will play out in the rest of the book. Uh, profoundly important. So again, let's, let's recapitulate. Uh, we are witnesses. There's an act to that. There's a content about Jesus. 
Uh, and then there's empowerment in the Holy Spirit. Uh, all, all coming together in uh, the commissioning of the apostolic company. I will simply tell you it's our commission as well. That's very important. Uh, and uh, the majesty of Acts 1-8 is the promise of the divine power to bring it to pass. Uh, and to preserve the content uh, that Jesus saves. And then it's expansion uh, to the ends of the earth. And that geography is, uh, is played out specifically in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And that we will study in the rest of the book of Acts. Uh, begins uh, in the ancient capital of the theocracy. I think it's very significant. Begins in Jerusalem, and that's where uh, Acts 2 will have us. Jerusalem. And then it will go to all Judea and Samaria. This encompasses the geography of the ancient nation. And it concludes unto the end of the earth. That's the geographic expression for our witnesses to take us. Ends of the earth. You can see its connection to uh, Genesis 1. Fill the earth. Carry the content of the Gospel to the end of the earth. Uh, which includes the Gentile nations with universal expansion. Uh, this, uh, this phrase... As, uh, as you might expect, Old Testament allusion to the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 49, uh, verse 6. And it's important to connect that because this is another recapitulation, uh, a reminder. Isaiah chapter 49 in its context is a servant song. It's telling us about the great servant son that you and I believe is fulfilled by Jesus. Uh, it's fulfilled by others, but it preeminently is uh, fulfilled uh, by Him. Uh, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. Look at the final sentence. That my salvation may reach to the what? end of the earth. So that my witness would reach to the end of the earth. Geographic expansion. Total, radical, and we're its agents. Uh, it's interesting, in verses 1-4 to of Isaiah 49, the Father commissions the servant son. He missions the servant son in verse 5 with the promise of success in verse 6. going to raise up the tribes and restore the preserved ones of Israel. Restoration. Is this the time the, prophet, the apostles ask Jesus? Well, indirectly it is the time. The restoration has begun. That His salvation might reach the end of the earth. And Messiah, of course, is assuming the failed role of the nation. Uh, Messiah will reconstitute Israel in Himself, which will include universal expansion. The illusion, I think, addresses continuing fulfillment. Uh, Paul cites Isaiah 49.6 as being fulfilled by him as he's carrying the Gospel to the Gentiles. 
You and I, in a sense, could say there's continuing fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6 in the ministry of Grace Bible Church as we press the Gospel to the ends of the earth. Why do we do that? Because we're His witnesses. What do we say? We tell the story of Jesus Christ, the content that He alone saves. How long is this going to happen? Verses 9-11. to It will occur until Jesus comes again. So it's repetitively passed forth throughout the successive generations of the church until Christ comes again. Radical commissioning. As well as radical provisioning, the power of the Spirit will explode. Acts chapter 2. Now I would remind you the coming of the Spirit, of course, in Acts 2 is not new. Every Old Testament saint was saved by the power of the Spirit in Jesus Christ. Nothing new there. Uh, we just learn it more clearly in the New Testament. No one is ever saved apart from the Spirit of God. How can these dry bones live? That's the point of Ezekiel 37. They can't. Ah, but they can when the Spirit comes. This is a radical transformation in a national sense that applies to the church. The gathering of these dead bones, making them live, standing them up as king priests to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ, telling the story that He alone saves. And, as He sovereignly wills, He saves in His sovereign power. So, uh, it is a uh, continual commissioning. We should be continually reminded of. But we will watch it in full color beginning in Acts chapter 2. But I would remind you that at every point of our study in the book of Acts, that it's much grander than historic narrative. It's eschatological narrative being fulfilled in the life and the ministry of the apostles and subsequently to us. Uh, We we end our study in the city of Rome. Paul uh, teaching about the kingdom of God. But it doesn't end in Rome. it goes eventually to Oklahoma City, and from Oklahoma City to the world. That's, that's our point of the universe. Uh, because it goes to the end of the earth, successively and powerfully. Uh, and and let's, uh, let's rehearse. It is the King's Commission. Uh, we are commissioned by the Sovereign King, Messiah Jesus Christ. Uh, in, in the rest of the commissioning ceremony, uh, as we uh, look beyond, uh, begin looking at Acts one twelve, we will learn that Christ goes to His throne. And who sits on thrones? Kings do. Who's the eternal King? Jesus is, the Messiah. And what do kings do? They stand up agents to go tell the story of the great King. So, It's important for us to recognize that the King commissions us. And Jesus is that King. And uh, uh, now you know what our commission is to be His witnesses. You also know the content of that witness about Him. 
and you know how it's going to advance the presence of the Spirit. Beautiful story. A commissioning service in act, witness, content, the gospel, geographic expansion to the ends of the earth by the power of the Spirit. So never be confused about who you are. Because now you know. You are the witness of Jesus Christ. And you also know what you're to do. Carry that witness. And tell that story. With the sure and eternal hope that He will save by His sovereign power the entirety of His church. And none will be lost. All will come to faith. And this is, again, not just the story of the Acts of the Apostles. This is to be, in a measure, our story. And may in the power of the Spirit, it be just that as we study this eschatological narrative uh, from beginning to end.